Hello friends, freaks, nerds, and geeks, all those of you unabashedly burning in the fucking ephemeral flames of existence, right alongside me. I'm your host, Jay Van Veen, and you're listening to Why Did You Make Me Read This, a comic book podcast. Well guys, I hit the 25 mark. 25 episodes, 25 weeks straight of putting up content. When I originally started this show, I was shooting to do a solid 52, a year's worth of doing the podcast, but I'm heading back to school at the end of this month, and I'll be working on the ambulance and tuning pianos alongside that, not to mention all the shit I do in my off time, lifting weights, reading, meditating, being a weirdo, and I just decided... I don't have time to do this show anymore. I've had an absolute fucking awesome time doing it, and I did it for no other reason than because I wanted to. No regrets. But I thought, here was as good a place as any to end the run. 25 episodes ain't a lot, admittedly, but there's a certain satisfaction in wanting to do a thing, figuring out how to do it, doing it, getting better at it, hopefully, and then doing it until you think it's done. Yeah, there's some satisfaction in that. So for this last episode, I'm not going to cover any specific comic. I'm just going to talk to you for a spell, and we'll leave it at that. If you've listened to any number of the show's episodes, I figure you might know a little bit of my history with comics by now. I started as a kid with my older sister's Archie comic book digests, quickly making my way into the world of Marvel, specifically the X-Men, and spent the 90s just infatuated with that world. I mean, I remember being on a road trip with my family back in 1992, and my mom buying me some issue of Marvel's massive crossover comic event, The Infinity War, and man, it just blew my mind. Jim Starlin's cosmic epic, pulling in all the major teams, the Avengers, the West Coast Avengers, the X-Men, X-Force, X-Factor, Alpha Flight, all of them banded together for this massive existential battle against Thanos' shadow self, a comic that was pulling in even the larger-than-life characters of that realm. There's Eternity, the living personification of that Marvel reality, and there's also the Living Tribunal, who is the embodiment of judgment of that universe. Marvel's comic universe is really just a trip, man. There's this one entity called the One Above All, and he's basically God and kind of an expression of the abstraction of their fictional realm. And some of them dudes, right in that cosmic shit, they had to be taking magic mushrooms or something. Really, it's wild. But I got a head full of that stuff, and as a really, really young kid, and it just made an indelible mark upon me. How could it not? You know, people dog on 90s Marvel comics, but I think it was an awesome time to be a reader. Hell, maybe that's just some nostalgic, solipsistic interpretation of reality, but hey... I guess that just makes me fucking human. Sorry I curse so much, guys. I know it's lazy. That's why I use so many $10 words to make up for it. Gotta even the balance somehow, right? After all, the living tribunal is watching. That vast world of Marvel characters set about an obsession inside of me, 
learning to know characters' names and their backstories and their ties to other characters, it was the connected web of stories that made for such compelling escapism for a dopey, dreamy little kid like I was. I never cared about sports, and I wasn't really all that good at school. But I had this world I could enter where it didn't matter that I sometimes felt isolated or alienated or different than everybody else. All the noise of the world fell away as I poured over story after story and went to bed at night imagining myself in their world. I'd hit the comic book stores around town when I could get to them. Tardy's Comics Corner, which is now run by a lovely young couple but back then was run by this absolute cantankerous curmudgeon, Or there was Apparitions Comics, and I'd spend so much time ticking through their long boxes, buying stuff because I liked the covers or because I saw characters and I wanted to read more about them. My buddies and I, who were all super into Dungeons & Dragons back then, just kind of took the rules for that game and gave it the Marvel Comics flavor instead of the fantasy stuff, making our own characters up and having them interact with the X-Men and the Avengers and doing the best we could to actually try and enter that world. And as I grew up, I started to discover some of the darker stuff. Vertigo Comics really was the shoehorn out of superhero exclusivity for me. I remember sitting down in a local bookstore, Schuler Books actually here in Grand Rapids, and pouring through the pages of a preacher trade paperback when I was 12 or 13, and holy shit was I not ready for that. Preacher is awesome though. It's one of those comics that I still reread almost every single year. But that imprint gave me my next run of favorites. Vertigo Comics, that is, Hundred Bullets, Fables, Why the Last Man, Dead Enders, Hellblazer, Skelped. There was a time when Vertigo Comics was really putting out some of the best comic books available, in my opinion. Image Comics has kind of taken over the reins of the kick-ass mature content comics subsequently, but in its day, Vertigo really did some damage in the best possible way. A lot of those comics carried me through my late teens and early 20s, but I was inevitably pulled back into the superhero world with Whedon's X-Men run, and then the floodgates just reopened. From there, I jumped over to Bendis' New Avengers, and again, I don't give a shit what anybody says. Marvel had a lot of super fun stuff in the early 2000s. Secret Invasion, House of M, Civil War, Dark Reign, World War Hulk, Messiah Complex, Second Coming. It was a lot of really fun stuff. And I still revisit a ton of that frequently. The Century as a mentally ill Superman type, Scott Summers as a die-hard civil rights activist and embattled leader for his people, the Hulk coming back to the world to make some supposedly good and moral motherfuckers pay for their decisions to send him out into outer space, the world losing almost all the mutants and those mutants battles just to stay alive, Norman Osborn moving into a position of political power and influence, the Skrulls trying to take over the world, hot damn. I had fun reading that shit. And I'm glad I got back into that superhero stuff because I would have missed out on a lot of great content if I didn't. Fraction and Aya's Hawkeye, Charles Soule's She-Hulk, Spencer's Superior Foes of Spider-Man, Hickman's Avengers and Secret War and his X-Men relaunch, which Powers of X and House of X are just so, so good. And hey, I promise, I'm not just going to rattle off comics titles at you the whole time. I just wanted to make sure I hit some marks in the map of comics that led me down the path of lifelong nerdiness. It's how I got here, you know? Let's just say it's for posterity's sake. Real quick, here's a few other comics that have been very important and influential and honestly just plain helpful to me along the way. 
There's Hitman, which taught me a lot about friendship. Dan Slott's She-Hulk, which helped me calm my mind and have some fun in a very turbulent time in my life. There's The Walking Dead, which is a fucking comic book too, not just a TV show. Peter David's X-Factor, which is goofy and dated nowadays, but I had a great time reading it back when. Jeff Smith's Bone, holy shit. Uh, Brian K. Vaughn's Runaways, Eric Powell's The Goon, and just so, so many more, you guys. So, 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 so many more. And a lot of it, I think, sticks with me because I have the disposition to dwell, sometimes chronically. Or maybe it's more that certain periods of my life are punctuated by materials that instill a propensity towards reminiscence. Is there a strong distinction between those two concepts? I don't know. It probably doesn't even matter. What I mean is that something, in this case a comic book, doesn't have to be almighty or powerful to instill itself permanent inside my mind. And I can leave objectivity at the door if it eases my mind or holds my interest. Not that any of the books I've mentioned so far don't hold their own in terms of quality rating, but I know I have a biased mind. Someone tell Keats to rise from the dead and teach me some negative capability. Give me some of that zombie philosophy. My nostalgic tendencies aside, comics also have the quality of being singularly experienced, at least for me. Reading them myself and more often than not while alone. Comic books are a thing in my life I don't really share with a lot of people. Yeah, I'd be pumped when I ran into another person at a party or a convention or wherever I was that was into comics and I'd overzealously talk their ear off because I was finally able to connect with somebody about them. Because even though I've been blessed with a larger family and always had a big group of great friends, I was really the only person in my circles that was super into comics. I'd suggest certain books to people, and I'd lend comics to people. I'd lend them to friends and family members, and often they'd read them, if not just to placate me and tell me that they liked them or they were indifferent to them. But that true connection of comic fans wasn't a mainstay in my day-to-day, so that meant a lot of what I experienced in those panels was a solitary endeavor. And maybe it sounds a little pathetic to say, but on some bad nights of some wavering mental health, or a bout of loneliness, or when things felt particularly rough, it was in the pages of a lot of these stories I was able to find some solace. Decompression and compressed sequential art. I told this to a friend once, and they suggested that it was the resolution and predictability of these stories that made my mind enter a more comfortable space. And I can understand that angle, But a lot of these stories contain particularly harrowing subject matter, and honestly, most of the stories I like don't have happy endings. Hitman still makes me emotional when I get to the end of it, because most of the cast does not make it through. Scalped takes everything it was building towards and pulls it in a very, very different direction. And the X-Men? Hell, that shit just straight up doesn't end. Furthermore, I'm an insomniac. It's way better now than it used to be, but I still have a lot of sleepless nights. It stretches way back to when I was a kid. I don't know why. I've been told I think too much by a number of people, and I'd have to say that's a pretty accurate assessment. And on those myriad sleepless nights, when the dark sky starts giving away to the pale of morning and I can hear birds beginning to chirp and my mind is racing about nothing, I'm so thankful for that stack of comics ever-present in the corner of wherever my room is. 
because they've helped me to downshift and to distract me from my own fabricated ontological bullshit and ushered me to sleep more times than I can count. It's kind of getting sentimental in here, ain't it? Beyond all that, comics still have their critics. I know that. Some people relegate the whole medium itself to picture books for children and dummies. And hey, there are a lot of comic books intended for children. And hey, there are a lot of stupid comic books. But how is that different than TV? How is that different than literature? How is that different than film or music or podcasts or video games or whatever medium that exists out there with content for you to consume? All right, you want me to get up on my soapbox? I can get up on my soapbox. It's in the garage right under my shampoo box and next to my toothpaste box. I got jokes. I can get on my soapbox and scream, Harky, misinformed, no accounts, perdition takey for your lack of thorough regard and preconceived notions, propagated by the ill will of the unacquainted and the misconceptions bred by yesteryear and endured through time. And I want to. Actually, that sounds super fun to just go out and scream that shit at random strangers on the street. But I'm an adult now, and I'm not supposed to do that, because that kind of behavior is frowned upon. (laughs) But I will say this. The judgment of a creation should be predicated solely upon its own inherent quality, not the medium that carries it, and certainly not ideas held over from a previous time. What's between those covers should be the only source considered when forming an opinion on the subject at hand. But you don't need me to harangue you on the legitimacy of the medium of comics any further, do you? Do you? Do you want me to harangue you? Anyone that wants to be harangued by me, you know where to find me. Harangue. And before I lose all of you, I need to get to the thank you portion of the show. Sincerely, and from my guts, I want to say thank you to all of the people that took the time to listen to this show. It's funny because I know a few of you who listen don't even read comics. So that means you're taking the time to just support the endeavors of a friend, or maybe even just a guy you kind of know. So whether you're a comic fan, a friend, or someone who just thinks maybe I'm worth listening to for some reason, thank you. Thank you for your support. I want to thank my buddy R.J. Jones, the man who made some of the music for the show, A-R-J-A-Y Jones. Look his name up on YouTube or SoundCloud. He is an annoyingly talented man and a wonderful human being. I'm proud to call him my friend. In earlier episodes, the music was done by another person I'm proud to call my friend. Actually, a man that's a lifelong friend of mine. His name is Chris Lidstone. He is another titan of musical talent. The dude is still making music himself, but also is making music with his band, Bong Mountain. Check them out on Bandcamp or Facebook. Yes, you heard me. Bong Mountain. They are fucking killer. I want to thank all my friends who took the time to read some comics I recommended and then came over to my place and sat down and talked to me about their experience reading the books. Jason Skirman, David Smith, Brian Bodie, Cat Lidstone, Troy Coulter, Lindsay Peach Sanderson, Jalen Rodriguez, Sam Geikama Bodie, Melissa Moore, and Jeff Haney. Thank you all for doing the show. Also, thank you to Candace Courtlever for her guest appearance and the music she lent to one of the episodes. I do have an episode I also never posted. Actually, as I was typing up the script for the breakdown portion of it, some troubling news came out about the author. Angela Deckard and I covered the comic book Fell, 
but given what's been revealed about Warren Ellis, we decided it best not to release the episode. Either way, I want to thank her for her time and her thoughts. She really did a great job during the interview. Also, I want you to know all of the interview segments I released were recorded pre-corona pandemic. I had more interviews lined up that I won't be able to get to, and I want to apologize to the people who were supposed to be on the show and maybe even read some comics to prepare. Sorry the world's all fucked up. Thanks anyway to Nick Hargis, to Sarah Rodriguez, and to Jake Nienheis. Look, maybe this actually isn't the end. Maybe I circle back to this show down the line and keep making episodes. Maybe I realize I miss it after a couple weeks off and I just start the damn thing right back up. However, in this moment, right now, it feels like the right time to stop. So I'm just going to listen to intuition. The door is always open. Hell, I'm the one holding the damn keys. And if any of you ever want to talk about comic books, you can just hit me up. I mean that. And like I said, it's been a lot of fun doing this. My only real ambition was to share my love of comics and to have an outlet for me to talk about them. I've learned a bit. I've gotten to be more analytical as I read the funny books. I've scrutinized some comics I've loved and read so many times before and seen them with a completely different perspective. I've learned my tongue clicks in my mouth when I talk, and I mispronounce and fumble words a lot more than I'd previously realized. And holy shit, is that annoying when you're editing your own voice. But I've also gotten really used to the sound of my own voice. I mean, I can hear the history of all those years I was a smoker in the sounds of my voice, and I can hear my Michigan accent being very prevalent during certain words that I speak, but all in all, I've gotten comfortable with the way I sound. I guess that's something. Guys, honestly, I want to keep talking, but at this juncture, I'm all out of things to say. It's been a weird year so far, but it's not all bad. I've met some really great people at my new job in the EMS field. I've read a lot of great books. I've worked out a ton. I've been lonely and frustrated. I've been content. I've been calm. I've been drunk. I've been sober. I've meditated. I've watched movies. I broke up with a girlfriend. I started seeing someone new who is just fucking wonderful. I got sick with the coronavirus, and I went a little crazy during quarantine. I've gotten out in nature and remembered how restorative that is. I guess I'm continually learning to approach life with gratitude. Try not to take anything for granted in this temporary corporeal existence we all inhabit. And of course, I've been reading some comics. Thanks, guys. We'll see you.